That's a sermon in and of itself right there, whether you realize it or not. Praise is one of the most powerful weapons that you have in serving God and when you need God to intervene on your part. But it's one of the least used. When we find ourselves in the crunch of things, when we find ourselves under pressure, most people cow down. Most people withdraw. Most people run. Most people hide in anything but praise. But I want you to know the Word of God simply says, the Lord inhabits the praises of His people. When you praise Him, as the song said, He invades your presence. He invades your situation. Paul and Silas, we know that story, how they were doing God's work, cast the wrong spirit out of this young lady and the magistrates cast them into prison, put many stripes on their back, cast them into prison. And you know how the story goes that at midnight, representative of the darkest hour or when the heat's turned up the most or when things are the roughest. It said at midnight that Paul and Silas prayed and sang what? Praises to God. Now, what happened when they did that? First of all, let's think about that. First of all, they're in prison with stripes on their back in chains. Not in like modern day prisons with air condition and weight rooms and things of that. Not that I want to go to any of the modern prisons either. <laughs> but deplorable situations. And somehow... These two men of God find something within them. You know what that something was? A confidence in knowing that that what the Lord had started in them that he was going to finish. It was They were confident in knowing that they were doing the Lord's work when they got in this mess and that God's going to get them out of this mess. Don't know how, don't know when, but they know that God's not going to leave them, he's not going to forsake them, that he's right there with them through the darkest of times. And as they prayed and began to sing praises to him, the shackles fell off. Some of you need to learn how to praise your way out of where you're at right now tonight. You've been, you've been chained up too long. You've been in bondage too long. And, and the Lord is wanting to say, I want to set you free. Just praise me. Praise your way out from where you are. Now, I want you to understand the difference in worship and praise. Worship is a deep adoration of who God is, who he is. He's alpha, he's omega. None like him before, never will be any like him in the afterwards. He's God. God. And if he never does another thing for us, we need to worship his holiness, worship his righteousness, him as Mr. Righteous. Worship him for being who he is. But praise is the declaration, the proclamation of his might, his strength, his power, his deliverance, his anointing. That's when we begin to praise him for past victories and for future victories and for present victories. We begin to praise him. I'm glad that song's been in your heart, Skeeter. How many of you are in a situation? Now, I'm going to put you on the spot right here, right now. I'm going to mash on you a little bit. 
You're in a spot under pressure, and you don't need to be where you're at. Can I see your hand? Be honest. Some of you are lying. Some of you need to have your hand up. Be honest. Put your hand up. If you're in a situation that you need God to show up and show out in your life on behalf of your situation and your circumstances. See, part of the reason you don't receive things from God, you can put it down now. Part of the reason you don't receive things from God because when you're given an opportunity to say, hey, that's me. Instead, you go, I'll see what everybody else does first. When the simple truth is, we're to come to him. We can come into his presence and let our needs and requests be made known unto him. We're to come to him right into his presence. He knows what we have need of before we ask, but he still wants us to come and ask. He still wants us to back up and say, Lord, I give you permission to step into my space, to get into my life to get into my circumstance and my situation, I give you permission to take this mess over because I ain't been doing a real good job of it. So I'm giving you permission, Lord, and I'm praising you right now that you're going to do this. If you have your Bible, would you turn to 2 Kings chapter 6? 2 Kings chapter 6. This goes right along with what we're talking about. I want you to know I may not be your pastor, but I'm pastor of Open Range. And there are other pastors in our midst tonight. And I want you to know that pastors have pressures and problems and trials and tests just like everybody else. And that's why the Lord says to pray for those that are in authority over you. You see, Brother Marvin and, and Randy and different ones, myself, just because we're ministers don't mean that we got it all figured out and don't mean that we don't get weak and don't mean that we don't get tired of throwing punches. We've got an MMA fighter right down there. He knows what it's like to throw punches for Round after round after round. Your arms get weary? All right. Same thing in the spiritual sense. You can throw those spiritual punches and you get tired and we need, we need to be on one side of it, uh, each side of, of, of people holding their hands up. I need you to hold my hands up, Marvin. Do you need people to hold your hands up in prayer? And I want you to know that for about a year and a half, now, this is, I'm not painting a bad picture, okay? Don't, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing going on. But for a year and a half, I've been fighting some warfare, some spiritual warfare in my personal life, in the life of the, the church, in ministry as I'm out on the road, in many of your lives that I've counseled with and talked with. It's just been a bombardment of, of spiritual warfare and pressure Day in and day out, and, and we all grow weary when you're in war. We got some Vietnam vets in here and some other vets in here. Look, day after day, fighting and fighting and fighting and fire, you get tired, don't you? Christians are no different. We grow tired. Let me move on. 
chapter 6, verse 8. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel, and he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent, the king, sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. See, the man of God was giving him a heads up regularly, giving him an uh, intel report. Verse 11, Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? That's their enemy. And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elijah, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. And it was told him saying, surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, alas, my master, what shall we do? And he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than they who are with them. One translation says, Not only more than they, but mightier than they. Verse 17. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, don't miss this, folks. Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elijah prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elijah. Now Elijah said to them, This is not the way, nor this is the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. So it was that when he had come to Samaria that Elijah said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw and there they were inside of Samaria. Now the king of Israel saw them and he said to Elijah, my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? But he answered and he said, you shall not kill them. Would you have killed those whom you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? Set food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. Then they prepared a great feast for them, and after they ate and drank, he sent them away, and they went to their master. And so the bands of Syrian raiders never came to the land of Israel anymore. I want to talk to you tonight for just a very few minutes. This is what the Lord spoke to me Monday morning for me. Just a refresher course, Dennis, that they that are for you are more and mightier than they that are against you. He reminded me that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. He reminded me 
that if I look to Jesus, he's not only the author, but he's the finisher of my faith. But the first thing I want us to learn from this is we've, we've got to examine our situation of where you're at. You've got to look it over good and figure out what's really going on. You see, this young lad, this servant of Elijah, he got up that morning, he went out. I can imagine, like I do in Colorado when I'm up there, just, wow, looking at the beauty. But when he looked up there, he saw all these, this army, horses and soldiers, and he knew right off, this ain't good. We in a heap of trouble, boy. And he, answered, he asked that question, what shall we do? Paraphrasing cowboy terminology, Matt Scott, what the heck we going to do? That's a valid question. When you look and see what situation you're in and you, just, you realize what your enemy is, you need to say, what am I going to do? So you see, sometimes the devil, well, always the devil is our enemy, but sometimes the devil works through people. Have you ever noticed that? Amen. Not if you say, yeah. Amen. Sometimes people are used by the devil and they don't even realize they're being used by the devil. That's why God's word tells us we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. Our battle is not people. Our battle are spirits that drives people. Wrong spirits, right spirit, holy spirit, demonic spirit. The spiritual world is of much more influence in our life than most people realize or even give credit to. I find it amazing how you come out with some satanic movie at I hadn't been to the movies in so long, I don't even know how much it costs to go to them anymore. But, I mean, boy, the wicked one back in my day was Poltergeist. And I understand it's a cartoon compared to what the rest of them are nowadays. But when you come out with a, a black side of magic, I mean, black side of spiritual world, they line up at the ticket office. They buy into the darkness, the dark world, evil. And they believe it. Why is it so hard for us to believe that the spiritual realm and the good light and the good side and the God that we serve, it's as real and more real than the evil side. I want you to recognize there's warfare going on there. How many of you remember that when the king had made a decree that nobody was to pray or ask anything of any God or any king except him, when Daniel knew that the decree had been, decide, been signed, he went up as he did a four time and he opened his windows three times a day and he prayed and he talked to God. That got him in trouble. He kept praying. Now my mind just went blank. <laughs> and I'm praying. Was it 21 days or 28 days? 21 days. I knew it was one of the two. 21 days he prayed and cried out to God. Three times a day in earnestness. 
in sincerity, from his heart, desperate. Finally, the angels show up. And listen to what they said. Whew. The Lord heard you the first time you prayed. And he sent us to help. But we were met by a host in the spiritual realm. And we've been doing warfare. And here we are, sucker. We've won. And we're here now to help you. Now, old Daniel, he went in the lines, did, but didn't the story say that the angels closed the mouth of the lines? I want you to understand, don't miss the warfare part in that story that went on during that time that he was praying and interceding and crying out to God what was happening in the heavenlies, in the spiritual realm. There was warfare. You need to do some warfare. Don't you throw in the towel. Don't you quit. Don't you let the devil have the upper hand. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what the counselor says. I don't care what the teacher says. I don't care what the boss says. You stay hooked. You keep fighting the fight of faith. You keep looking unto Jesus. Trusting in the Lord with all of your heart and leaning not into your own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledging him so that he'll direct your path out of where you are right now. And as you're walking out, I want you to be praising him the whole time. Recognizing where you are. Secondly, I want you to notice that he says in verse uh, 16, don't be afraid. Do not fear. We've talked about fear quite a bit. I want to touch on it briefly, and I'm going to move on. Fear is faith. Most people say fear is the opposite of faith. Fear is faith, but it's faith in the wrong thing. It's faith in believing in the, the, the bad that's going to happen instead of having the faith in God for the good that's going to happen. If that makes any sense for you, because I want you to recognize also, here's what I want you to leave here tonight with. Remembering. That those that are for us are more and mightier than they that are against us. Actually, all we need is one, Jesus. The one that speaks and things happen. Creates things out of nothing. with a word, could call legions of angels. Don't forget whose you are. And don't forget who's in you. Don't forget that by the power of his spirit that lives in you and the word that he gives us to use, there's nothing, there's nothing that can defeat you if you fight the fight of faith. Scripture says there shall not an enemy stand before you against whom you fight. There, most of the time you're going to find that you're going to have to do some fighting. There will be times where the Scripture says that you shall not need to fight in this fight. Stand still and watch the salvation of God. God does do those things. But more often than not, he's going to call on you to do what you can. See, faith without works is dead. He's going to call on you to do what you can do, and he'll do what you can't. 
for you to put forth the effort to do what you can do, and he'll do what you can't do. You see, maybe you need to go and say, I'm sorry, so that his spirit can melt the hearts. Couples can be restored. Maybe you need to start biting off that debt one bite at a time and learn to live within your means and let God show you how to work yourself out of that chokehold that's around your neck that's weighting you down and he'll help you work out from where you are to where that you can owe no man nothing but love. He wants you to do what you can do. Trust him for what you can't do. I like how Elijah, when he prayed, Lord, smite this army with blindness. They were blind. <laughs> it's representative to me that God is very good at hearing our prayers and answering our prayers, but he's also very good at confusing your enemy. See how they followed Elijah right off into the walls of Samaria. I don't know exactly how God will work in your circumstance or your situation, but I do know this, he, he will work. If he needs to confuse the enemy, he will. You've heard those saying before, you give somebody enough rope, they'll hang themselves. Well, the same thing with the devil. I want you to know, God can get him so confused, he'll be fighting among himself. How many of you remember the story of where they blew the trumpet and hit the vessels of the lamps in them and how many of you remember the story of walking around Jericho and acting plum goofy and then shouting on that seventh day and the walls fell? I mean, there's some weird stuff that God told people to do, but he's never told anybody anything to do that if they were obedient to it, that he didn't show up and show out. I don't know what God's going to tell you to do, but I do know this. There's two things that stop God in his tracks, and I'm going to close. <clears throat> it's the cry of the desperate. You remember blind Bartimaeus sitting by the highway side and when he heard that it was Jesus passing by, he was asking somebody, what's all this commotion? I hear a big crowd of people. What's going on? They said, well, it's, it's Jesus passing by. No doubt he'd heard of Jesus. He'd heard of the miracles that was happening because when he heard that it was Jesus passing by, what did he do? He said, blind Bartimaeus began to cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. They said, shut up, man. Don't bother him. Word says he cried out the more. The cry of the desperate stops Jesus in his tract. He turned and he beckoned for him to come. And we know that Bartimaeus received his sight. The other thing that stopped Jesus in his, touch, his tracks is the touch of the sincere. You remember that woman with the issue of blood that had that issue for 12 years? She'd spent all that she had on physicians trying to be made better. And scripture says that she was worse. But yet Jesus is passing by and Scripture says that she, thought, she believes intently that if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. So she crawls through the crowd and when she touches his garment, stopped him in his tracks. He says, somebody touched me. Man, can't you hear that conversation with his disciples? Well, of course somebody touched you. There's a big crowd of people around you. Lord, they're thronging you. He said, no, 
That's not the kind of touch I'm talking about. Somebody touched me because I felt virtue flow out of my body. Are you desperate tonight? Are you sincere tonight? You can stop him in your tracks with your situation. Very unusual. I'm not going to drag this out, but if you're sincere, if you're desperate, and you need the Lord in your life, in your circumstance, in your situation, get out of your chair right now. Come to these altars. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray over you. You get up from where you are. You come to these altars. God is going to show up and show out. If you're serious, if you're sincere, if you're desperate, if you're ready to cry out to him and to give it to him, we're going to watch God work in your lives, in your circumstance, in your situation. I'm not here to put on a show for anybody. I'm here tonight because I want to see people that are tired and weary and broken and carrying things that they don't need to carry any longer. I want them to be set free at these altars tonight. I want the Lord's healing virtue to flow. I want his delivering power to be present. I want his healing power to be present to heal. Others are coming from the balcony. I'm going to wait just a moment. You come quickly. Come as quick as you can. I want you to understand I can't heal anybody. I can't set anybody free, but I know a man that can. I know a man that said if we come to him, call on him that he'd show us great and mighty things. And I believe with all of my heart, God's about to do some things in some people's lives tonight. I believe some burdens are going to be lifted. I believe we're going to hear some testimonies come back in the days and weeks ahead of how God has moved. Those of you that are sitting in your seat, if you know Jesus, I believe very much in the power of agreement, and we're going to agree and pray that God will move at these altars and do what needs to be done. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to stretch your hand towards these people. And as I begin to pray, you pray for them right where you sit. Your prayers make a difference. This is not a show. This is serious. Lord, we're thankful that when you died, that veil was rent and it was torn from top to bottom. And we can come to your pres into your presence directly. And Lord, many have come to these altars tonight and you know the specifics and the details of the circumstances in their lives. I don't know, but Lord, your word tells us to pray one for another. And Lord, I pray for every man, woman, boy, and girl at these altars tonight. We're laying it at your feet, and God, we're desperate and we're sincere, and we ask you to do what only you can do. Lord, we ask you to lift the burden, to restore the relationship, to heal that body. Lord, to Show them the plan for your way out from where they are. God, we ask you to intervene and to make the difference. We know that you've not grown old, weak, feeble, and senile. We know that you're still a miracle-working God. We know that tonight your love is limitless. Your power is everlasting. Your mercy endures forever. And tonight, God, have mercy on us. Move in this house tonight, Lord. Heal sick bodies. Lord, help crushed emotions and wounded spirits, Lord, to be reinvigorated by the power of your spirit. Lord, we ask you to restore relationships. God, we ask you to give direction. 
Lord, to give them direction. I pray right now, Lord, that a peace, peace that surpasses understanding would come and rule and reign in their lives. The peace of God that surpasses that understanding would come. Now give wisdom, Lord. Your word says, if any of us lack wisdom to ask you and you'd give it to us. Lord, I pray you'd give wisdom. I pray you'd give wisdom. And that, Lord, we would wait on you. We'd wait on you, Lord, to guide our steps and to direct us and direct our paths. Lord, once again, I pray for every crushed, wounded spirit. Lord, you've come to heal them. Lord, you've come to set those free that are bound with various addictions. Lord, tonight we ask you as they reach out to you to purge their blood, to cleanse them, to deliver them, to set them free. Be no withdrawals, no DTs, no shakes they would be free because your word said he whom the sun sets free is free indeed Lord I thank you for that I pray Lord that every need that's at these altars Lord tonight be met and your grace is sufficient Lord many that are sitting in their chairs out there tonight Lord they know they should be at these altars but God you can touch them right where they are if they'll but call on you your word says to call unto the Lord and it show you great and mighty things. And Lord, we're calling on you tonight. There's so many things in our lives that we can't do anything about personally, but God, we need you and you can. So we ask you, Lord, to do the miracles.